Well, this morning as we prepare our hearts and our minds to share in the Lord's Supper together, a very sacred time for the church, I want you to open your Bibles if you have one with you or there are Bibles in front of you in the chairs underneath, or if you don't have a Bible, you can just follow along as I read, but to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, and we'll be looking this morning and this evening at verses 1 through 3. So this morning, as I shared with you in weeks past, as we begin this new year, I'm beginning a new study. We are going to spend quite a long time in the Gospel of John, often, not every Sunday, but often in the morning and evening services. This morning, what I want to do is introduce the Gospel of John And look at verse 1, and then this evening we'll look at verses 2 and 3. There is that much in just verses 1, or excuse me, in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. So we read in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Well, our first point this morning is the Gospel of John. The Apostle John wrote his Gospel to convince the readers that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, and that eternal life can only come through Christ's saving work on the cross. Of all the books in the Bible, perhaps the Gospel of John more than any other book, has a very, very specific purpose. And if you have ever studied through the Gospel of John, maybe you haven't before, but I know that some of you have, whether in a small group, a private study, or some other study, you will know that in order to find the purpose of this book, we have to go to the next to the last chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 20 in the last two verses. We find the purpose for the entire book in John chapter 20 and verses 30 and 31. And this is what it says. This is what John writes. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the purpose of the book. John is saying, there are things that Jesus did and Jesus said that are not included in this letter. But what I write to you, I write for this very specific purpose, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Everything in this gospel, and please keep this in mind as we move through this gospel throughout the year, everything in this gospel fits in to John twenty thirty one. These are written. I specifically chose these things to write to you so that you may believe That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The question that we are going to be challenged with throughout the Gospel of John is, who is Jesus? 
It is a question that every single person in this auditorium, including myself, must answer at some point in their life. It is a question that every person throughout all of existence must at some point answer, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? And throughout the history of the Christian church, the church has had to confront over and over again false teaching about the person and work of Jesus Christ, including our own day and age. People who simply recognize Jesus as an historical figure like Buddha or Muhammad. Or they say it was a good teacher but nothing else. Or they say it was a good moral example. We'll, we'll acknowledge that. But John wants you to go to a different level. He wants you to believe that Jesus is fully God. Fully God in every attribute of God. And he wants you to believe that eternal life, that salvation, that forgiveness of sins only comes through the substitutionary death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not enough just to believe that he existed, but do you believe he is God? Do you believe that he is the only way to eternal life? Well, if you've ever studied the Gospel of John, you know this. John's Gospel begins very differently than the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. As you read through the New Testament, this strikes you right away. John doesn't write anything about the birth of Jesus. He doesn't tell us anything about angels. He doesn't tell us anything about the shepherds. He doesn't tell us anything about the wise men. And that is very striking for us since we just came from Christmas and spent an entire month teaching and talking about those very things. John doesn't touch on any of them. John goes right to the heart of his purpose. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, it is known as the great prologue. In verses 1, or excuse me, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, John is in essence saying, here is Jesus. Here is who he is. In a sense, John is saying this. He is saying, I spent three years with Jesus in his earthly ministry. I spent three years as his disciple. And it took me three years to, under, to fully understand who is Jesus. I don't want you to take three years. I'm going to tell you in 18 verses. I'm going to tell you this is Jesus. And then I'm going to spend the next 21 chapters convincing you of what I just told you in the first 18 verses. I'm going to convince you that Jesus is God and I'm going to convince you that eternal life can only come through him. So a unique separation as we look at the books of the Bible is the Gospel of John. We have 18 verses in the rest of the book. 18 verses. Here is Jesus. And now I am going to convince you by everything the Holy Spirit has guided me to choose to fulfill the purpose of this book. Well, that leads us to our second point this morning, and that is the Word. The Gospel of John begins with a statement that has fascinated Bible scholars and Bible students for centuries. Verse 1. Amazing verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
John is presenting to us Jesus, the eternal, pre-existing Word of God, which is known as the Logos. Jesus is the Logos of God. He is the Word of God. Now that may seem strange to us, and so we ask, why? Why does John present Jesus as the Word? And you're in, if you have the English Standard Version, you'll notice the word in all three places in, chap, in, excuse me, in verse 1 is capitalized. It is the Word, not just a word. It is the Word. It is Jesus. And we know that he is talking about Jesus by the context of the whole book, but especially through a verse that we look at in a few weeks, and that's verse 14. And the word, capital W, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we know that John is referring to the word as Jesus himself. Jesus is the word. Now, why does he call him the word? I could give you a really long explanation because this is filled with content. But let me as simply and as carefully as I can explain this to you this morning because it's very important to the rest of the book. Jesus is called the Word because he is the truth of God and the truth of God is Jesus. Jesus is called the Word because he is the truth of God and the truth of God is Jesus. Everything that we could say about God is true of Jesus. He is the revelation of God. If you want to know who God is, what God is like, look at Jesus. Because he is the word of God. And everything about him is filled with the attributes of God himself because he is God. So, when Jesus teaches, God is teaching. When Jesus rebukes a demon, God is rebuking the demon. When Jesus speaks a miracle, it is God speaking. When Jesus comforts his disciples, it is God comforting them. When Jesus scolds the Jewish religious leaders, it is God who is speaking. This would have been extremely significant to the Jewish readers of this book and important in the overall context and background of our understanding. For the Jewish people who knew what we now refer to as the Old Testament, they would have known the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. For the Jewish person, you did not separate God's word from his person. They were linked together. They were one and the same. The word of God was God. The word of God and the person of God are one and the same. And they would know that God spoke creation into being. God spoke and the heavens and earth came into being. And so when John says... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. For a Jewish person, for a Hebrew person, this would have been stunning. An incredible 
proclamation and declaration. How dare you? You're going to call Jesus the Word? Because when you call him the Word, you are saying in every aspect, he is God. Now, if you really want to be blown away by this, we move to Revelation chapter 19 where Jesus returns to conquer his enemies at the end of time and he is the great rider on the white horse who comes down from heaven and with him are the armies of heaven and they are dressed in white robes and they're with him. And then here is this incredible, majestic scene of the horse and the rider coming down from heaven with his army. And in Revelation 19.13, don't miss it, it says this of Jesus. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God. So when he comes to return to earth to set up his kingdom, he is going to be called the word of God. His robe is dipped in blood because it's the blood he shed as the lamb of God for the sins of the world. And he is called the word of God. Two verses later in verse 15 of chapter 19, it says, Out of his mouth comes a sword. Out of his mouth comes a a sword by which he will slay the nations. At the end of verse 21, it says, And all of his enemies were conquered. They were slain by the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus is the eternal, ever-existent Word of God. He is the Logos. And in one verse, John proclaims three amazing things about the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was And the word was with God and the word was God. He starts out by saying, in the beginning was the word. And this is extremely intentional on his part. Because he wants your mind to race backwards all the way to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word. When God spoke all of creation into being. The word was there. He was there because he always existed. He was there in the very beginning. And again, for his Jewish readers, this would have been a stunning statement. You are saying that this Jesus was there when there was nothing. Before there was Heavens, before there was an earth, Jesus was there. He has always existed. We're going to look at this more tonight and what that means. Powerful. Then he says two more things. And these, the second and third things are the part that has wonderfully puzzled mystified scholars and students of the Bible for centuries. 
How can John say this? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John gives us one of the great verses in all of the Bible on the Trinity. That God is one God in three distinct persons. That God is one God in three distinct persons. The Word was with God. So he's with him because he's the second person of the Trinity, distinct from the Father and the Holy Spirit. And yet, he is God. So he was with God and he is God. And you ask me if I understand that? No, I don't. I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. But I don't fully understand it. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Now we see these things dimly as in a mirror. One day. One day we will see clearly. We will see him face to face. But now we see in the shadows. We see dimly. But yet we must affirm as a church, as the people of God, that God is a triune God. He is a trinity. He is one God in three distinct persons. One God in three distinct persons and Jesus is fully God. That's what John is telling us. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God at the same time. Well, before we share the Lord's Supper together this morning, I want us to go back to the question, the foundational question of this whole book. Who is Jesus? As I said earlier, every one of us have to answer that question in our life. Who is he? When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey in what we now would refer to as Palm Sunday, the people were asking one another, Who is this? When Jesus was with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee in a boat, a great storm came up that threatened to overwhelm them, that threatened to drown them. And Jesus stands up and he rebukes the storm and the Sea of Galilee becomes calm as glass. And his disciples look at one another and they say, Who is this? Who is this that even the wind And the waves obey him. When King Herod was told reports about Jesus, he said, John the Baptist, I beheaded. So who is this? Who is this that I hear these reports about? When Jesus healed the paralytic and then told him that his sins were also forgiven, the scribes and the Pharisees, said, who is this that speaks blasphemy? For only God can forgive sins. And so each of us has to answer that question. Who is this? Who is Jesus? And as we go to communion, let us think deeply and carefully about what we really believe about him because we're going to spend this next year plus watching the Apostle John answer that question for us because everything 
Everything he writes is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.